0: Hi everyone, I'm Grace and I'm part of our Central Gathering. It's a real pleasure to be sharing with you all today. Now, if you had to pick one theme that has come up the most in any Christian talk that you've ever heard, what would it be? It'd be pretty cool if I could do one of those live polls right now where you kind of put your answers in, but I think it would be a bit of a technical nightmare. However, I am willing to hazard a guess that a consistent answer would be the theme of love. So God's love for us, his desire for us to love him, and also his command for us to love others. So why am I about to hear another talk on the theme of love then? You might be asking. Well, as somebody who's been in church their whole life and has heard more talks than I can even recall on the theme of love, if I'm honest, loving God and loving others still isn't my natural default. I'm sure that we've all had moments where in hindsight, we know that we didn't choose love. We didn't choose the loving option. Perhaps that time that we darted quickly into the house to avoid having to make conversation with a neighbor. Or the time that we chatted to a friend who was really struggling and instead of of taking the opportunity to, to share words of true hope and comfort that Jesus offers, we just responded with some kind of nice fluffy words. All that time that you saw the caller ID on your phone and you consciously chose not to answer it as you knew that that person would just need more time and more energy than you were willing to give in that moment. If any of these situations resonate with you, then the letter that we're going to look at together this morning is so helpful. It's going to show us firstly the why and then the how behind God's call for us to love others. And in fact, Paul wrote to the Corinthians specifically to remind them that love is the priority for every Christian. So let's dive straight into our passage. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians, starting at verse, uh, sorry, chapter 5, verse 14. So Paul writes, For Christ's love compels us, because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So let's pause there. The specific way that Paul wants the Corinthians to love others is through this ministry of reconciliation. And we know that reconciliation is two people making peace. It's a restoring of a relationship. And in this context, Paul is talking about the most vital form of reconciliation that there is. And that's reconciliation between us humans and God. So this morning we're going to look at two questions, firstly why, why should we take part in God's ministry of reconciliation and then we're going to look at how, so how do we actually participate in it. So let's start with the why, I've got two thoughts to give you guys on this. So first of all at the start of our passage, verse 14, it says for Christ's love compels us and that's our first reason, Christ's love compels us. And there's a real force, like an oomph behind that word compel, isn't there? It means to be to be moved, to be driven, to be stirred to action by something. You see, the church in Corinth, they knew about God's love, but it didn't necessarily shape their lives, their, their knowledge that Christ had died for them. It didn't deeply move their hearts and lead them to share this love with those around them too. And I don't know about you, but I think that 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 attitude sometimes I see in my own life as well. I acknowledge and I'm thankful for God's love, but often um, I tend to keep it to myself. So how can I ensure that Christ's love transforms my heart? Well, I believe that to be compelled by God's love, we must drench ourselves in this love every single day, allowing the Holy Spirit to compel us to action. So guys, my first call for you is um, let's meditate on, let's absorb the truth of scripture. Let's get that worship music on repeat. There's been some cracking worship music released this last year. So let's, let's get it on repeat, let's, let's marvel at creation, let's find refuge in the secret place of silence and solitude where it's just us and God. We can't be compelled by a love that we don't encounter daily. And I know in my life, one of the things that stops me from sharing the good news of Christ is it's a fear of rejection or sometimes just an assumption that people probably don't want to hear it. But when it comes down to it, these are my own insecurities and they stem from a desire for me to look, to look good or to look cool or even just to look normal. But our passage this morning speaks directly into this. Verse 15 to 17 says, and he he being Christ, Christ died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Now let's skip to verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. So did you catch that? The gospel is good news for all, it says in verse 15, and that's because Christ died for all. He died for the outcasts of society, he died for those in unreached places, he died for those that I feel like I just have nothing in common with. Even if it feels uncomfortable for me, I have an opportunity to share with those who wouldn't otherwise hear it that Christ, Christ loves them. And in Christ we read in verse 17 that we are a new creation. And this, this changes our outlook, it kind of changes our lenses towards other people because the Holy Spirit helps us to see them through God's eyes. So actually, I no longer live for myself being concerned with, as I said, with how I look with and um, whether I look good or cool or normal. But my priority becomes building God's kingdom. And I think we sometimes forget the power of what we have to share. Guys, sharing the gospel is truly a matter of life and of death that can change somebody's life. Just think about it. If if you met somebody whose physical body was in need, you know, say their life was at risk and you, you encountered them and they'd just been in an accident and their life was literally hanging in the balance. It would feel pretty urgent, wouldn't it? And my guess would be that you would do everything you could to help to save their life. So why is it then that when it comes to people's spiritual health, their spiritual need, we so often neglect sharing Jesus with them? The one who, if we take at his word, gives life, gives life for eternity. We're so used to being surrounded by people whose lives for the most part seem to be just fine. Perhaps they even look like they're thriving. But the truth is that God wants us to have his eyes, he wants to open our eyes to see people's spiritual need and to respond with just as much urgency, if not more urgency, as we would their physical need. So the first reason that we're to commit to the ministry of reconciliation is that Christ's love compels us. And secondly, well, the ministry comes from God. Let's read now from verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. You see, this ministry, it's not a human instruction given by a church leader or your favourite preacher, although I'm pretty sure that they would endorse it too. But no, it's God himself who's appointed you and appointed me as an ambassador, a minister, a mouthpiece of reconciliation in this world. And let's be honest, we all love being picked for stuff, don't we? You know, whether it's the job or the promotion or the sports team, when, you know, when we're chosen for something, it makes us feel valued, it makes us feel validated for the contribution that we can make. And we are the vessels that God, the Lord of all creation, has chosen to restore himself to those who don't know him. I think that's pretty amazing and I think it's a call that we should take seriously. So Now let's move on to how. How do we participate in this ministry of reconciliation then? Well let's first of all remind ourselves of the message that we're sharing with people and in verse 20 of our passage Paul gives us an example of how we can communicate like what we're to say to somebody that didn't know God a non-believer and so we're to say we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Evangelist and theologian James Denny, he puts it like this. I really love this quote. He says, The gospel is not good advice, but good news. All the good advice it gives is summed up in this. Receive the good news. So the message that we're to communicate to non-believers is, receive the good news be reconciled to God and do you notice how there is no hint of judgment or of condemnation in that because that's not our job maybe it starts with a small act of kindness that then leads eventually to a chat about faith or maybe you choose something like the three circles method that I shared a few months back do check that out again if you want a little refresher However you choose to share the ministry or the message of reconciliation, our job is simply to invite people to receive the good news that God has already made peace with the world through Jesus. So if you're watching this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, well I have incredible news for you. Reconciliation with God is so stunningly simple because God is already there with open arms, ready to embrace you, to lavish his love on you. And all that you have to do is just receive the good news, receive the good news that Jesus died for you because he loves you. Now, I'll be really honest, when it comes to sharing my faith, I tend to opt for what you might call friendship evangelism. So this is kind of um, me showing Christ people through my friendship with them and then um, perhaps eventually sharing the gospel with them at some point. But Hebrews 13 verses 1 to 3 contains a real challenge for me and I think probably for lots of us about who we are called to share the message of reconciliation with. Read with me it says keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters do not forget to show hospitality to strangers and then let's jump to verse 3 continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who were ill-treated as if you yourselves were suffering. So did you catch those three groups of people um, who are all our brothers and sisters that we're called to love? Firstly, we've got strangers, then we've got those in prison and then we've got those ill-treated. I don't know about you, but showing love in those contexts, feels a fair bit more nerve-wracking and difficult than loving those that I'd naturally be friends with. But guys, if we really believe that Christ died for all, as we've read in this passage this morning, and if we really are compelled, stirred by his love, then we have to take seriously the call to carry this message to more than just those that are naturally in our everyday spheres. As part of a discipleship course that I did recently, we were challenged to take a prayer walk and to ask God to highlight somebody that we could offer to pray for there. And after spending most of the week dreading it, to be honest, I eventually went out. And having wandered for about an hour or so, I started to walk home feeling a bit deflated because, to be honest, i would not really sensed God highlight anyone specific to me. But as I neared my street, I noticed a, a mum strapping her little toddler back in the car, I think probably haven't been out on those lockdown walks that we all know so well. So, you know, I said hello and I just shared that I was a Christian and had been wandering around praying for our area. And we had a really ordinary, friendly little chat and at the end I just asked her if there was anything that I could pray for her. So we stood there um, just on the pavement with her cute little boy watching us through the window and I just prayed into the situation that she'd shared with me. And she was clearly really touched and uh, she said that they'd had their little son baptized a few months before actually. And whilst I don't know, and I probably will never know how much impact that little encounter had on her, I wonder if perhaps our meeting was God Watering a seed of faith in her that he planted before um, in whatever exposure to Christianity that she'd had, you know, perhaps that baptism a few months before. In 1 Corinthians, we read how one person plants the seed, then another person waters it and then God brings it to growth. You know, take Paul himself, he had definitely heard about God before the moment of his conversion and each of those times that he heard the gospel, they would have each contributed to his fuller understanding of God when he eventually received the good news of Christ. Now perhaps you're listening to this and you've already discounted yourself from the Ministry of Reconciliation for a number of reasons. Perhaps your internal dialogue sounds something like this about now. You're thinking, well, If only I was better at talking to new people, if only I was more confident, or if only I had a better lifestyle to model, then I could be Christ's ambassador in God's ministry of reconciliation. But let me encourage you, the only thing that's required for you to, the only thing, sorry, the only thing that is required is for you to have had a personal reconciliation with God yourself. Let me say that again, the only thing that's required for you to participate in God's ministry is for you to have been personally reconciled to God. The truth is we are all unimpressive carriers of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 describes the power of God in us as treasure in jars of clay. You know, we are the jars of Boring, ordinary clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Yes, we're, we're weak, we're, we're awkward, we're broken people. But the power of Christ shines through our cracks of brokenness. So don't discount yourself from this ministry. God doesn't want you. He doesn't need you to, to discount yourself from his ministry because it's his power at work in us. So to end, I'd just like to tell you about my great uncle Chris, although he actually hates being known as Great Uncle Chris. So I think from now on, I'm just going to call him Chris because he may well be watching this morning. Chris and his wife spent 23 years running weekly Bible groups and Alpha courses in prisons. And it was actually his wife who had originally wanted to start the ministry. And so Chris kind of reluctantly agreed to accompany her, even though he didn't actually really want to at first. And over the years, hundreds of prisoners serving really um, long sentences for horrendous crimes heard the gospel and dozens had their lives transformed by God's love through Chris and his wife's ministry. Talking to Chris recently, I was really struck by the simplicity of how he described what he'd do when he went into the prisons. He shared how he'd befriend people, he would listen to them, and he'd simply live Christ with people Christ to people. He would live Christ with people and be Christ to people. Chris and his wife carried a message of hope, of forgiveness and of reconciliation to those who'd been written off in the world's eyes. So it's no wonder that their visits became the highlight of the prisoners' weeks. Now maybe you feel inspired by someone like Chris, but you still end up discounting yourself from participating in the Ministry of Reconciliation among strangers, among those in prison, among those ill-treated. And one of the reasons that you, I guess, excuse yourself is because you think, well, I just, I just don't feel particularly called to these specific groups. But when I asked Chris about whether he felt called into prison ministry, he said, it was only once I'd taken the first step of going to the prison and I saw the fruit and the response of people that I then realised it was something God had called me to. He said, I had to take the first step and then God increased my faith and my passion for these prisoners. Do you notice how there was an initial willingness and obedience on his part? And God honored his obedience and worked powerfully through him. And we already have this same power available to all of us. But the question is, are we gonna step out in faith and use it? So to finish I just have two questions that I'm going to leave you to reflect on as we enter a time of worship together now and the first question is how can I remain compelled by the love of Christ on a daily basis? Maybe you as a response to what I have shared you're thinking well maybe I need to build in some regular time of worship in my day, maybe I need to Memorise some helpful Bible verses or journal more regularly about how God has shown me extravagant love through Jesus. And then the second question is, how will Christ's love motivate me? So once I've I've filled myself, once God's filled me with his love, how will that motivate, compel me to play my part in his ministry of reconciliation? What first step do you need to take? Maybe you start as I did and you resolve to chat to a stranger whilst out on a lockdown walk. Or maybe you find out about some opportunities for local prison ministry or projects that support those that are marginalised, ill-treated by society. But guys, let's be on the front foot. Let's be seeking out opportunities to live Christ with people and to be Christ to people. So as we come now to respond in worship, I would just love us to take some time to receive the love that God has for us. And then to ask the Spirit to compel us, to stir us to action in sharing that love with others. So let me pray for us. God, I thank you for your wonderful, extravagant love for us. I pray now that you would drench us afresh in this love. God, whether it's a love that we've known all of our lives or we've heard about it and we're receiving it for the first time today. God, would you pour your love into our hearts afresh? And God, as we receive, would you stir us? Would you inspire us? Would you show us um, how we can move towards loving others? Show us those specific first steps that you want us to take in sharing the love of those the love of Christ with those that don't know him. Let's receive from him now and ask his spirit to move us to action. Amen.